Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Okay, so we're at the NWTF convention with the current Grand National calling champion, Dave Owens. Dave, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fine. Current for let's, – let's keep saying that because tomorrow it's going to change probably. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow the new, new, new king will be crowned. I don't know. You could go back-to-back back, though, right? It's always possible, but, you know, probably highly unlikely. I don't know, man. That, so I used to watch you on YouTube before you did Pinoti Project. Yeah. Right? So I – when I first got into turkey hunting, I was watching you like a couple years ago. You had some like older videos you put on there. Yeah. 
and I like wore your videos out because of how you showed the whole hunt. I was yeah. learning a lot from it. And then I came up here a couple of years ago for the first time, or two years ago, for the first time to watch the Grand Nationals. And you got up on stage. And I was like, I know who that guy is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you did good. I was like, you should have won. And I can't remember what you placed. I yeah. think you were top five. And then last year you won it. And I was yeah, like, yeah. good job, man. Yep, good job. <laughs> yep, yep. It was a, it was a quick uh, process, a quicker. Uh, you know, I just started like last year was the sixth year I'd called up here. So, um, mm-hmm. I when I got up here and watched the guys that won, I was like, man, I always want to I want to win that one day. Mm-hmm. You know, but a lot of times it's a very long. You know, you really got to learn. It's a slow. You know, you pick up bits and pieces every time you're here. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. I really didn't expect to to be on top that quick. You know. Um. But it was a uh, it was a cool experience for sure. Now, yeah. up until that point, how many years had you been calling? on a competitive level that was the first year like really yeah, yeah. like because six <laughs> years ago uh it was seven years ago i guess when i started mm-hmm. and i qualified um that first year i started and i came up here nervous as you know i'll get out and uh made the cut you know the first year <clears throat> shouldn't have made the cut because i go back and listen to it now and i'm like that was horrible <laughs> but somehow i was that guy that had the lucky horseshoe and made the cut um and I made it and got up there and got embarrassed on the finals. You know, probably placed dead last. I can't even remember. And then uh, started from there. So, yeah, yeah, that was six years ago. So, yeah. Dude. I, I love going to that because you can – you like, if, when you start watching them, you, you know callers and who you really like. And I like your calling. Mm-hmm. I like Scott Ellis's calling mm-hmm. a lot. Just because, I don't know, it just sounds like hens that I hear. Yeah. Nasty Alabama swamp yep, hens. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they got that rear end. Yeah, they're yeah. not they're – not, Tinny and they're not tingy like a lot of those uh, northern turkeys can be. You know, mm-hmm. you hear, and I hear it in the turkeys themselves traveling like I do. I hear, you know, some variances in, in the turkeys, uh, which granted, it, there's exceptions all over the place. But mm-hmm. um, you can see to where those calling styles are kind of tailored for where somebody's at. You know, they, they're training their ear or their ears trained to mimic the hens that they hear. So, like, but yeah, down here in the south, we got those hens that really got some. Rear end to them. So they got that southern accent. Yeah, they got that draw to them, you know. <laughs> I love it, man. So, Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you got going on with Pinoti Project. Uh, yeah, I'm just a turkey hunter. Um, don't claim to be much else. Uh, it's the only thing I really ever cared to be or, or care to be currently. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I started the Pinoti Project last year, uh, last season. Um, like you'd, you'd mentioned, I'd, I've dabbled with video and turkey hunts. I usually videoed a handful a year when it was convenient for me around home and stuff. And um, But I traveled extensively and have for a number of years, and, and I would put together, like, you know, people that would ask, I'd show them the pictures from how many ever states it was. I'd hunted that year, 8, 10, 12, whatever it was. Like, Man, you want to video the whole thing? I'm like, oh. You know, it is, <laughs> it is not an easy process to drag this camera around and document this stuff, even when it's convenient, like when you're hunting next to home. But um enough people were asking for it and wanting it and i was watching the way everything else as far as turkey media was going um and it was so far from the way i hunted and the way i learned to hunt and uh i thought man there needs to be something out there that portrays the way i like to turkey hunt Mm -hmm. and um there was nothing even remotely close so yeah we just kind of jumped in with both feet uh with the whole uh you know there was like a I guess it came with a warning label, like, "Hey, if you're looking for if you're looking for premier turkey footage, turkeys coming across fields, slow motion shots, you know, all of this stuff, then you're 
tuning in to the wrong show because we are more about the process. Uh, we enjoy the process uh, of the whole hunt and uh, what comes together. And hunting a lot of public land turkeys and hardwood tur- hardwood turkeys and mm-hmm. turkeys in the mountains is what we or what I really just that's what drives me. Um, obviously, I'll kill them anywhere, but uh, <laughs> but it's the mountain turkeys that really I, I love to hunt turkeys in the in the woods. Um, just didn't see much of that, so we mm-hmm. we threw our hat in the ring and chased them for a lot of mornings. And yeah, I looked into that camera every doggone morning as much as I didn't want to. Toward about <laughs> after about day twenty, it got old. You know, I oh, was yeah, like, man, I'm done with this. But <laughs> I did. I stayed true to my word and um, looked into that camera every morning. Tried to carry carry everybody along. And as terrible as some of the days may be, and you you know how they shook out. So yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a something that we talked about all throughout deer season where, like, everyone knows, like, the hunting public, they've mm-hmm. been hugely successful. And that's one reason I think they've been so successful mm-hmm. is they show the process more so than the result. And uh, for especially for someone who's learning how to hunt, it helps when you see that failure and mm-hmm. you, or you see days that you're struggling and how you, how you get through that, how you cope with it, or, or what steps you take to get out of whatever situation you're in. That's really helpful for someone who's, trying to learn something from your videos and strategy everybody talks about strategy and i think the misconception is oh that if you employ this strategy that somebody's talking about it's going to work mm-hmm. well when you watch somebody that's talking about that strategy put that strategy to work and see that it doesn't work all the time mm-hmm. it puts you into like you know you're surrounded by reality at that point like yes this is a proven strategy it is successful but it's not successful every time nothing is mm-hmm. um so when you see that um you know, by the guys who are actually preaching it, it's easier to swallow. You're like, immediately, if you think you did it and it didn't work for you, I must have done it wrong. No, yeah. you can do it right and it not work. That's mm-hmm. We're hunting wild animals. You know, they they don't volunteer to get shot at. So, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, and especially, like, when we're hunting public land, we hunt public land quite a bit. And I'm super green. Like, I told you that before we started mm-hmm. recording. I'm super green at turkey hunting. Uh, I've only been doing it for a couple of years now. Uh, started when I was younger growing up and it was more like deer hunting mm-hmm. we'd go with my uncles and we'd sit had an 80 acre family farm and we'd sit green fields waiting for birds to come by like you'd call but you wait yeah was, and i hate oh i hated that hated yeah. that so i got out target hunting for a while and then got back in it with him hunting <clears throat> public land birds and like you said not one tactic will always work every time and mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing is you know you hear guys talk about like oh that you know always you know try this calling sequence try this you know if you're gonna run decoys this decoy separate do this situation or whatever and when someone tries, especially someone like myself, and they're like, hey, it didn't work for me. And then they instantly start thinking, they start second-guessing what they're doing, mm-hmm. lose self-confidence. And hunting's all about se- having self-confidence. Oh, yeah. Because if you can't hunt confident, dude, good luck. Yep. Good luck. Yep, absolutely. And watching somebody that, that, you know, the strategies that they preach and then watching them go out there and employ them and no, not successful, not successful, not successful, then they have success. Mm-hmm. Using that strategy, you're like, it works. You just have to be persistent with it. You have to trust the system. You have to trust what you know. Um, and like, you know, when, when you're green and you don't know any better, mm-hmm. you're like, you automatically place fault on yourself. Like, I obviously didn't do something right because he done it and it worked. Well, that's because he only showed you the time that it worked. Yep. With yeah. these new kind of uh, web-based shows and stuff, you get to see – some of those failures and it makes it brings everything like i said that makes it more realistic so when people want to show the failures because i i know some Mm -hmm. shows that they still just want to show the highlights and that's fine if that's what you want to do for entertainment factor but you don't learn anything from that you don't learn anything it's just entertainment Mm -hmm. it's like when you turn on the television and you're watching 12 or 15 birds die in one episode yeah it 
you don't you cannot yeah. learn anything from yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Like or when, those people are hunting property that the normal man can't put his feet on. Yeah, you know. Um, you know it is it, you know it is what it is when you're hunting real scenarios and real places mm-hmm. and real areas that you know you could go hunt i yeah. could go hunt anybody could go hunt typically that's not the case mm-hmm. you know so um it's it's we just tried to, with the Pinhoti project just tried to basically bring something realistic to the to viewers that they can watch that kind of sets the scene the same way it would be said if they were the one out there hunting it yeah. you know and some of the same dialogue you have with your good buddies mm-hmm. you know you don't ever see this you know this this pick at each other or aggravation mm-hmm. you know all of that none of that makes the the fancy stuff you know yeah. the clean stuff you don't ever <laughs> see any of that aggravation yeah because everybody's like ooh, you know they're not happy with each other hey yep. that happens yep. you know <laughs> if you know well it's like you know kind of going back a little bit more about your background what got you into hunting public <clears throat> land first um well hunting public land uh is was kind of the only option mm-hmm. I had you know I never had any big family leases or family farms we had a hunting club when I was growing up my dad's a fanatical deer hunter mm-hmm. um don't know why I picked up turkey hunting but I did uh became just flat out infatuated with it and calling them and hunting them and we're learning them and just wanting to watch them just like that's what I did and um yeah I don't know what what caused that but as soon as I as soon as that started, you know, that ball started rolling, it just mm-hmm. continues to build momentum. Like to this day, I'm, I'm still, when turkey season gets here, it's just like everybody tune out. Like mm-hmm. don't include Dave in anything because he's not going to be there. <laughs> like yep. it's just the way it works. Um, so, um, yeah, public land and, and the way that I started turkey hunting was, was that hunting club we had bordered a chunk of public land. Mm-hmm. And I would go in through my hunting club and I'd be like, wow, that was 300 acres and I could listening to two spots and listen to that 300 acres. Mm-hmm. So obviously I quickly began venturing off through the, through the public land. And I figured out like, Hey, you know, 300 acres isn't enough to entertain me for a morning turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. I need like 3000 acres. And the only thing that can accommodate that kind of roaming is public land. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly kind of like what gets us so fired up <coughs> about hunting public land is I've been doing it now. This is my fifth, fifth year. This was my fifth year season hunting public land. Uh, pretty much the last two years exclusively uh, for the most part. And it's one of those things that, to me, you learn so much more and become a better outdoorsman, key southern outdoorsman, when you hunt public land. Just because you're learning stuff that if you went off to a <clears> private <throat> farm, say like a family farm, like give my example, mm-hmm. like when I was hunting my family farm, I didn't learn much of anything out there other than if patience. deer was downwind of you, you'd, you'd they'd smell you. Yeah. <laughs> and then patience, that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's that's all. Because you're not going out, you're doing differences. I'm talking as a deer hunter now, but mm-hmm. still as a turkey hunter, you know, you're kind of doing the same old thing every time, and it's mm-hmm. just a repetition. And it becomes more of like you're trying to go to kill something instead of you're actually like hunting. Yeah. You're, you're just – You're adapting. I yeah. mean, and, and any successful turkey hunter has, has got to adapt. Mm-hmm. You show me a successful turkey hunter – that they're, 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 there's not one that's mm-hmm. not adaptable, that's not flexible, that's not can roll with the punches, cannot make the best out of a bad scenario. They can read what's going on. They can kind of, you know, their wheels will get to turn and they figure out what's going on and they kind of head it off at the pass. That's that's what makes a good turkey hunter. Is, is If you look going out there with your, uh, you know, with your book of laws or book of rules mm-hmm. and you think that you're going to employ do number one, do number two, do number three, do number four, and there's going to be a turkey at the end of the, at the, end of the book and you're, sadly mistaken i don't think that happens very often you've got to be able to think on your feet and and adapt to the situation and make uh moves and strategic moves and calls and 
um, nowhere to be, uh, play the weather. There's so much to it, like that, that puts you to that final, you know, the trigger pull. You it, know, there's so much into yeah. it that that's not. It's more than choosing the right deer stand and, and being in the right spot that mm-hmm. day. Now I know there's a lot that goes into deer hunting too, with reading thermals and the way the wind blows and where the bucks are going to be on said day and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And and to me, deer hunting is more of a drawn out thought process. Like it's a thought process that goes many months worth of thinking and planning for a particular hunt to where turkeys are more like a day by day mm-hmm. battle. And that's what I like about it. I can, I can, you know, meet a, meet a turkey at daylight and regardless of whether it's a six hour duel or whether it's a, uh, you know, a 30 minute roost hunt that I was successful at, I still feel like I almost, we got to know each other in that short amount of time. Like there was the dialogue there. There was the me trying to think for him almost, you know, trying to get myself in the right position. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, I like those, that, 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 you know, I could do it one day and I could be successful and I could turn around and do the same thing the next day, you know, to where if you're a deer hunter, you've hunt one buck and when it all comes together, there you're done, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. <clears throat> now, it, with you, the way you talk about turkey hunting, I've got to ask, have you ever elk hunted before? One time. Yeah. It seems time. like that would be like your, yeah, it your would fire. Be. It's like a giant turkey, man. Yeah. My <laughs> only thing with uh, with elk hunting would be is the after the kill thing. You know, oh, my gosh. turkey, I can throw it over my shoulder. <laughs> yeah, 20 and I pounds. Can, I can get out of there, yep. and I can do it again the next day. You shoot an elk, and, I'm, you know, there's days worth of cutting and packing. Yep. yep. I'd be ready to do it again, and I'd have to be cutting and packing, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I have done it one time before. It was very enjoyable. Um and uh, look forward to going back. My what's kept me from doing that, you know, up to this point mm-hmm. is uh, flexibility. I use everything I've got during the springtime. I don't usually have much wiggle room when it comes to having a week free during September. So, oh. how many days do you hunt during the springtime for turkeys? This last year it was seventy-five mornings. It was seventy-five wake-ups. Golly. You know? Woo. So, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm so jealous. like some of those are before work, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. But oh, it's, yeah. it's 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 you know this year you're looking at. 90 uh from what i've got wow. put up so i guess I'm, you're starting in florida yeah, yeah. next week so yep. Yep. Oh, the yeah the youth season's uh 23rd and i'll be down there so. all right man you're getting a jump on it no next yeah. week <clears throat> i'm jealous i always i always start first weekend in march in south florida so it's uh i chase hmm. it from there as far as i can chase it you okay know? okay all right this is one thing i would love to break down it's kind of like regionally mm-hmm. like how you travel and then how you hunt regionally mm-hmm. when you're hunting south south florida i went down there um this past year and got my butt handed to me. Really, I didn't have much time to hunt. It was for work. Bought a license and everything while I went down there. I was hunting big cypress. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Shane about this. How different is it when you're going from hunting in Georgia to hunting South Florida, especially I don't know how south you go, Yeah. but how big of a transition period does it take for you to really get an idea of you know how the birds are using that territory? Because <clears throat> I was confused going out there looking for – well, I thought it was oak hammocks turned out were cypress little swamps. Dumps. Yeah, yeah. And turns find out after talking to Shane, he's like, oh, well, that's where the birds are at. I'm like, well, I didn't think about that when I was there. I was like yeah. trying to find high ground. All the high ground was grass. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a learning curve for sure, and it, it's, a, it's a steep, painful learning curve yeah. down there. Know that you won't hunt any place in the world like South Florida. I mean, the turkeys are just – they live in stuff that our rabbits in Georgia would turn their back to. You know, I mean, they live in that thick stuff and stuff, you know – they're hunted by everything to 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you just, you, I mean, you know, turkeys, you know, they got to have food and water and roost. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they prefer to have a little bit of an open to use their eyes or eyes are their main defense. Um, so you just kind of 
you know, just look for sign and, and you'd pick up what bits of information you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and like uh, South Florida, I quickly realized those turkeys live in the water. Like that, that you know, if it's dry, yeah, then they're not comfortable. They live in the water. They, they like the water. But so don't mind walking through water? They live at the water's edge that's that's where they get their food they eat a lot of the crayfish and stuff that's in the water so if you go around a a cypress dome that's got water you look around the edge of it and that's where your turkey sign will be so um you learn stuff like that you know and uh those pine flats are good but a lot of times they're choked with palmettas and they're so thick that you know you can't even walk through them so therefore turkeys aren't there you know nearly as much um you know and 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 fire such a big thing down there because if something doesn't receive fire in a handful of years then it's so thick that you can't beat your way through it with a machete so you have to uh, kind of rely on that um and then the water levels changes day to day down there mm-hmm. um, it's going to be a super super wet year this year it's looking like so that always is added some some rough rough challenges there you know dealing with the water and you wade a lot you stay keep wet feet everything from waist down will be wet for how many ever days you're down there you know so it's a uh, Stuff like that you learn to deal with, but just everywhere. Like I said, a, a turkey hunter has to be adaptable, and yep. especially if you want to travel to turkey hunt and you want to turkey hunt different places, um, you know, you you just got to learn to kind of visualize what they're going to need and where they're going to need to get it at mm-hmm. and uh, realize that uh, you need to put yourself in an area that everything that they need is in a small area yeah. or the smallest area available. You know, sometimes like out west, these turkeys may have to travel for miles for roost and then water. So, you know, you got to put yourself – in those areas where they'll have all those necessities. Um, Hmm. But, yeah, uh, virtually across the country, as long as you know what turkeys need um, and, uh, you know, you you can find them. And then every turkey is going to react. I won't say the same, but they're there for the same reason. They're breeding at that time of the year. They want hens. You're supposed to be a hen, so you got to present yourself in a way that it's going to fool him or – Essentially, what you got to do is just get in front of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, and sometimes that's just what you got to do. Now, what sparked your love for hunting birds in like the mountainous areas, especially like? It's just where I cut my teeth. You know, mm-hmm. I I've started in North Georgia, um, hunted, and, and still to me to this day, that's my favorite turkeys to hunt. I mean, um, I was just telling somebody the other day, like I've hunted them in Missouri and Iowa, these 25 pound turkeys, and you put a 16 pound mountain turkey in front of me and it's going to gobble and it's going to shake the ground harder than any other turkey in the country. It just does. Like you put them right over a ridge from you and those jokers are drumming. And, and I don't know if it's the acoustics of the surrounding woods yeah. or the hollows or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, something about them. I just love hunting them in the hardwoods and hunting them in the mountains. Now, again, come from, uh, I'm originally from central Alabama. So, mm-hmm. you know, used to hunting in pines and stuff. We just scouted. I, once you know, I told you I, mm-hmm. I moved to Atlanta area. We scouted some North Georgia area uh, public land for deer hunting, but also I was looking for turkeys. While yeah. the guy I was with, he was more interested in deer, and found tons of sign. But everything's so open. What is you? I, I know you're, you don't have, you don't really use ever use decoys for the most part, right? I never do. Huh? What's what's your tactic in, in hunting something like pretty wide open timber yep. like that? What's like you just gotta. Use the terrain. Yeah. Like, that's why I like hunting the mountains. I can really use the terrain. Um, put something between you and him and get as close as you possibly can. And it's super challenging when the woods are dead in early season. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have a lot of cover. But you got to just use that terrain. Um, and it can take some, you know, several mornings to where this turkey's gobbling, but you just can't get in the right spot. And the biggest problem a lot of people have is if that turkey's gobbling, they've got to, even if they can't get in the right spot, they've got to call to him. You know, they've got to 
you know, have that. I don't provoke turkeys. If I know that I can't get in the spot to kill them, then I don't mess with them. Mm -hmm. You know, I may work myself to death trying to get into that spot. Mm -hmm. um, but like, you know, we just talked about hunting before work. If I don't have time, then I go, I'm there the next morning hoping he's in that same mood and I'm going to approach him from a different area. Um, but using that terrain, rolls in the ridges, bottoms, um, we have a lot of those a little steeper but shorter, you know, ridges to mm -hmm. where you can get in the bottom and get past them almost if you need to because that roll in the ridge will hide their eyes, you know, hide them. Um, and then just, uh, you know, you, you've got to be – it's really hard mm -hmm. if you have a turkey that's roosted and he flies down he can see 200 yards and you're sitting there yelping at him and he's like – uh, he's going to smell a rat real quick. So he's like, where are you at? Well, I was going to say, for the most part, <laughs> you don't want to be on top of those ridges if you can see super far because you're going to be screwed. Yeah, you're going to be screwed. Yeah, you need to, uh, you know, play the game to where when he comes up, he's in shotgun range or, or dang near it, you know. Okay. Um, well, that's something smart because that's – while I was out there, I was like, man, you could – like, if someone wanted to shoot 300 yards of the rifle, you could do it in some of these oh, spots. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how are you – and there's turkey sign everywhere. I'm like, how in the heck? Early – like you said, early yep. season. Yep. Are you going to sneak in there and be able to kind of get one within shot? What's range? really, I mean, the really important thing there is to uh, realize where they're going. Yeah. Learn the turkeys and realize where they're going uh, mm -hmm. because we'll find a lot of turkeys early season will stay down down in the bottoms because they're, fly, they're flying up. They're, they've got hens right with them. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll hear those turkeys and you'll hear them gobbling. You'll hear them fly down and all of a sudden you can't hear them anymore because they've fallen into a bottom because those hens want to get in those creek bottoms where it greens up quickest. And if you know – that they're most likely going to be heading to the creek bottom because they already have hens with them. If you can beat them there, mm -hmm. um, then you've, you know, basically, you know, won the game. Yeah. Um, so if you read that, but if you take that typical turkey hunter, let's get above him approach, then you're going to be sitting there by yourself most of the morning. So um, mm. it's learning turkeys and where they're going to go before they get there. That's that whole process of learning turkeys and what they need. Um, the hens are, um, I, th I feel like hens just kind of, breed on the side they're always worried about food and what's what, what they're going to eat next and uh the gobblers are always around so the breeding's available whenever it's convenient for them you know mm -hmm. um and the um the food is what's always driving them so as long as you can beat them to wherever they're going like i said a lot of times early season it's creek bottoms or if there's an old logging road with some some native grasses along the edges of it you know where it's getting there. sun getting some sun cool. some grasses so that those bugs will be there so you, if you can you can beat them there then mm -hmm. Almost guessing, out guessing, guessing where they're going to be just based on where they're roosting. So, oh, they're roosting here. I know they like here. So, you kind of beat them there. Because okay. a lot of times it can be impossible to get 100 yards from them on the roost. It's dead out. Yeah. You know, they can see it forever. Leaves are loud. I was going to say, unless it was rainy, overcast, and you could slip in there while it was, mm -hmm. like, just soaking wet. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no way. <laughs> but that's that's kind of interesting because, again, I've never had experience hunting something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how tactics change going into a habitat like that and seeing how it plays out, especially like, you know, if you also were hunting up in, like, you know, East Tennessee, probably be the same thing, yep. Yep. Um, which is kind of interesting as, as well as, you know, hearing guys that hunt in those areas. And kind of like what you're saying, like, it's like always using topography to your advantage. I mean, are you running – like onyx or any onyx, kind of onyx yeah yeah, yeah just yeah. Topo, topo maps map. and you know i'm a big topo map just a freak well, you I mean, gotta be I've, in that territory. I've got a, i've got a pile of oh, i still like to have the old waxy maps just to look at sometimes but yeah onyx has really changed the game with their your ability to just flip back and forth and look at satellite and mm -hmm. and whatever but yeah usually nine out of ten times mine's on the topo feature you know and yeah. i'm like because i love looking at those contour lines and figuring out where i need to get and and, and stuff before uh before they do so we that, um use it a lot that's pretty slick yep again Probably not a whole bunch of turkey hunters are looking at a topo map while they're trying to get on some birds. Yeah, I, I don't know many that are. Yeah, it's it, it's 
constantly if i'm if i'm if i'm on the move i'm looking at that that thing because you know spine ridges and finger ridges and bottoms i mean that is the whole game Mm -hmm. i mean you've got to use that to your advantage if you don't woods turkeys will whoop you every day because you've got to be where they want to be no matter what mood they're in Mm -hmm. if you're not where they want to go or a place that they're comfortable going you can sit there and yelp your brains out and they'll gobble and, and you know not be there you've got to be able to read those topo maps and put yourself in a spot that he wants to be. Yeah. Um, location, location, location. It'll always be king. Now, i got a question for you. Again, this is coming from a, a new hunter, so I'm trying to learn as much as I can, is um, how much time are you putting to actually, like, on the ground scouting either before season or are you doing a lot of stuff where, like, you just have histories in areas where you know there's going to be birds and you kind of go there and you kind of get a feel the morning you're hunting them of what they're kind of doing? Well, I mean, like I said, I, I travel a lot. And then a lot of times I'm putting my feet on ground that I've never been to. Mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of, if, I, if that's the case, I do a lot of internet scouting. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of pin dropping. I kind of know the area before I even get there. Um, so I've got a starting point. I've got a point A that I want to hit. I've got, I've got from there, I want to go here. I want to go here. So I've almost got my day mapped out before I get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that, but um you know, I, just the this the unknown is kind of what drives me. I love hunting unfamiliar stuff. I yeah. love because my whole reason to getting into traveling turkey hunters is, is I love turkeys and I love interacting with them. And it got to where I wanted to interact with them in different terrains and different you know landscapes and habitats and stuff. And that's what kind of drove me to hunt areas of a state that may not be as popular, but they offered something you know, terrain-wise, that was unique. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I love Florida so much. I've, you can't hunt anywhere in the country that's more unique than Florida. You go down there, you hear like a billion bird species at daylight, and you're like, what? You know, everywhere else, you know what that is. Oh, yeah. that's a pileated woodpecker. Oh, that's a barred owl. Oh, that's a whippoorwill. Oh, that's a, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, whatever. But you go down there, and I'm like, I don't know what that was. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're like, what was that? I don't know. You know? When I was down there at Big Cypress, that's exactly what it was like. It was like <laughs> all these birds was like, holy, like what the heck? Yep. Is that? And walking through these big gates and everything, yep. like yeah, everything high fenced off because of yep. the Panthers. animals. Yeah, yep, yep. yep. Dude, but um, that's he real. was all he was freaked out in Big Cypress. Well, it was, it was, it, it was I'm weird. telling you, buddy, when you jump down in that place and for your first time, um, first time I ever set foot in it, I was like 18 or 19 years old. I was a freshman in college. You know, I, I drove down there and then walked off into that place and. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is it is an eye opener, and you can get turned around so easy. So I, easy, everything's I'm, like this tall. And yeah, well, see, like, and, I'm, see and I'm so good. Like, I feel like back in like any kind of like wood country, hill country, I'm pretty good at like knowing direction, even if it's overcast. Can I get a good idea of you know north, south, east, and west? How mm-hmm. I came in <clears throat> down there, I I tried that before I pulled Onyx out, dude. I got probably half a mile from the car, and I started looking around. I was like. Is that tree like what tree line did I come from? Or yeah. w- and then it all looks the same. I start walking. I'm like, oh, I gotta pull the app out. Yeah, <laughs> like it's ridiculous. <laughs> so that's definitely I can see that being an intimidating factor for somebody. So you're going to Florida first. What's the next couple of states you're gonna be hitting? I guess I've, I've, I'm a little bit unstructured this year because I'm gonna have a lot of flexibility that I haven't had in the past. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, to start in Florida, like always, cause that's what starts earliest, and I'll work my way up through, you know, Georgia and Alabama. We're gonna go over to South Carolina, um, going over to Arkansas. Uh, possibly Louisiana. That's in the that's in the mix, and then I'm gonna probably come back across because I like hunting. Like I said, I like hunting woods turkeys. I like hunting our woods turkeys, mm-hmm. um, and I'll probably go back maybe toward like North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, and then swing up through maybe Ohio, Indiana, and then we're gonna make an out west trip. You know, not really a hundred percent sure where that's gonna be yet, but mm-hmm. probably thinking a lot about Black Hills. I hadn't been there in many years, and it's while the bird numbers aren't what they used to be, it'd be you know fun experience getting back in there. I haven't been 
like I said, in, in a handful of years to hunt that area. You know, who knows? I'm just going to leave the book open, and if anybody calls me and says, hey, man, the turkeys are hot, we're getting some good weather, then I'll probably have the truck packed and on my way. So That's awesome. <clears throat> now, one thing we failed to mention is that you've killed a turkey in all 49 states that have turkeys. I have. Yeah. Oh, really? I have. Yep. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? I did not know that until just now. Yeah. I'm yep. embarrassed, but hey, that's awesome, though. <laughs> <laughs> Holy yep. cow, dude. Yeah, that bug hit me, that traveling turkey hunting bug, and then it got to where I was like, well, I haven't been here yet. I haven't been here yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, How, well, what was killing a turkey in Hawaii like? Unique I is bet. what it was like. Yeah, you're hunting you're hunting volcanoes out there, dormant volcanoes and stuff. Jeez. And, you know, they brought them over there. They're uh, not native, but they're mm-hmm. – pile of them and it, it was fun you rios? know they're yep rios and it's public land there's some there's some public land out there you can drag your feet on and it's rugged i mean it is some ankle twisting stuff but yeah Jurassic Park. It, it was it was fun it was a lot of fun um yeah it was it was an experience that's one i always wonder about man what were you about to ask? No, I was going to say, what was the time frame? How long, like, from the time you took it seriously? Because I know some guys, yeah. you can bounce around from a couple of states just for the heck of it, kind of like what we were doing. But from the time you took it seriously to the time you finished, how long did that take? I think it was seven years. Wow. Yeah, because I got started, like, obviously I was like, you know, Grand Slam. I want to kill a Grand Slam. Yep. And I killed a Grand Slam. I'm like, oh, I want to kill a Grand Slam in one season. And then I killed a single season Grand Slam. And then I was like, well, what's next? You know, at that time I'd only killed in four states. I'd killed mm-hmm. in four for the Grand Slam. And I was like, well, I'm going to start on this uh, U.S. Slam. You know, uh, Doc, Tom Weddle, uh, Tom mm-hmm. Weddle, I don't know if you guys know him, but he's, like, done it three times now. Like, he's a – he's just a beast. God, um, You know, <clears throat> and um, I kept up with him, and we kind of kept up with each other. And he's the only person that I had known. I'm pretty sure he had completed it at that time. I came not 100%, but I knew he that's what he did. And I mm-hmm. thought, that's what I want to do. I want to I try something like that. So, I just started at that point. Every year I would map out I wanted to do – at first I was like, I want to make sure I get four new states a year. You know, um, but then of course that ballooned into I hunt eight states, new states this year, and then I hunt thirteen new states Golly. this year. So you know, it was it I'm took just seven to, years. Yeah, you know, I'm trying from, to think about this. Like how, <clears throat> dude? That's a lot. This that, is an that, audio show, so people can't see Jacob. Yeah, I'm like, over here. Founded. Yeah, I'm almost <laughs> over here. Like I wish I had a camera right now. Um, dude, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's. It's fun. Yeah. You know, oh, it's yeah, kind of sure. taken off, and, and everybody – seems like everybody I talk to now that's killed the turkey in five states is now chasing the U.S. slam, and that's cool. And I hope it's, you know, in some way tied to what I've been able to bring out with the Pinoti Project mm-hmm. and traveling and, and what's really possible because I felt like a lot of people really loved a turkey hunt, and they didn't do anything besides what was in their home state. Yep. They didn't know how obtainable it was just to go across the state line and hunt turkeys mm-hmm. on unfamiliar ground. Like – I've done it. I've seen success doing it. I'm nobody special. I don't do anything that anybody else can't do. Like, it's obtainable for anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you have a family, if you've got a five-day, six-day vacation that you can take, I mean, you don't – it's not expensive. You know, it's usually the expense that, you know, I don't make – I'm not a, you know, I'm not a six-figure man. I'm not, you know, some office guy that's making piles of money and – you know, maxing out 401ks and all this kind of craziness. Mm-hmm. I'm just a dude that has figured out a way to do it very cheap. You know, mm-hmm. I live out of the back of my truck. Like there's a cot in the back of my truck with a cooler, heater, fan, sleeping bag, pillow. I sleep wherever I slow down. Um, and you can do this for basically tags and gas, you know, and anybody can do it. And I just hope that anybody that sees my stuff is like, you know what? And I've had, you know, 
a number of people now send me messages or emails like, man, because of what you did, I'm going to go hit two new states this year. I've never done. Is, is, it, is it, you know, is this something I should, should consider? Mm-hmm. Well, by all means, but go out there for the experience. Go out there because you're going to be doing something you love in somewhere that's completely new. Like, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable is what I say. It's like live out of the back of the truck or live in the, I mean, for years I slept in the front seat of my truck. I just lay that thing back and that's where we slept. You yeah, know, you've done that. Um, and it's obtainable, man. It's not expensive. You don't have mm-hmm. to go buy it. It's not going to cost you $100, $100, $75 to $100 a night for a room. You don't have to go with an outfitter and pay them, you know, $2,000 or whatever for a three-day hunt. Like, you can do this stuff for the cost of tags. Like, you can do, gosh, so many states. Well, let's, br- let's break that down for, you know, people that are listening right now and listeners. If someone wanted to do, say, just one out-of-state hunt, or maybe they want to do a couple states mm-hmm. this spring, mm-hmm. How could you kind of break it down to them, like kind of how you do it, but how can someone save money so all they're focused on is hunting and they're not tied up about, you know, like hotels and everything else? Like how do you break it down to try to make it as cost-efficient as possible but also as doable where they're not, I guess? First off, you can, as far as cost-efficiency, mm-hmm. you can you can shop around the states because states, you know, some are expensive states. Some It's all depending on what you want to do and how much time you have. Like state of Alabama, for instance, it's extremely expensive to buy a year-long license for the state of Alabama. Mm-hmm. But they allow you to kill five turkeys. So how much time do you have – to devote to killing those five turkeys. You can go to a turkey that's less expensive, but they may only allow you to kill three turkeys. But if you're only hunting for five days, you're doing pretty doggone good you kill three turkeys in five days. So that may be something that you want to, you know, that may save you a hundred bucks to hunt that state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I just mentioned, like lodging is always a super expensive thing. Like all over the country, you're, I mean, even in the littlest, rattiest little town out there, it's still going to cost you at least 60, 75 bucks a night. And you consider you stay there for five nights, that's a considerable amount of money. You know, so I always like I've got a cot set up in the back of my truck. I've got a truck with a cap on it, you mm-hmm. know, the, the little cap. And I've got a shelf built. You know, I sleep on that cot. I mean, I sleep better there than I do at home. I mean, it's just it is home. And um, I sleep out. I mean, I eat out of a cooler. I mean, I've got sandwich meat. I've got deer that I killed during the fall. I mean, I've got all of this, you know, uh, uh, prepared. I carry a little camp stove. Um, or a single burner stove, uh, whichever one I decide to use that day. I mean, I've got like a little buddy heater in there that I can pop on if, I, if I'm in there somewhere that it's cold to mm-hmm. make it comfortable. I mean, try to get as comfortable as you can. Um, and uh, But, you know, you just get comfortable, you know, sleeping in those areas. It's super convenient. You save trip time going to, driving into town. You, yep. you know, everything's right there at your fingertips, basically, where all you have to worry about is turkey hunting. I mean, you go out, you turkey hunt for however long you want to turkey hunt, and as soon as you get back to your truck, it's time to take a nap, go to sleep, mm-hmm. wake up and do it again the next morning. And literally you have the gas that it costs you to get there, the tags, and what very little expense it costs you at the grocery store to buy sandwich meat, loaf of bread, some trail mix, some granola bars, and a case of waters. Yeah. You know, but you got to be one of those people that's comfortable not going in and having a steak, you know, a couple times a week. You got to be comfortable, you know, not, you know, having, you know, some – you're, you're roughing or something. It. Yeah, I mean, you're roughing it, and that's the thing. You're, you're you're doing this for the experience. I'm trading the comfort for more tags, yeah. essentially. Like I could, I go. could, I could afford to do that stuff. Or bet you may have to break it down and, and only go to one hunting trip if you if you live like that. To where mm-hmm. I could take that same amount of money going three. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it. The experiences are more important to me than than the plush living. Yeah, and it's really intimidating until you do it. Where we went to Wyoming and hunted mule deer a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And we did, I mean, we slept in the truck most nights or we camped most nights. We had like lunch meat, granola bars, like protein bars. And I mean, we did it extremely cheap. 
yeah. compared to what most people spend on a western hunt, like dirt cheap. Yeah, and like Doc, the guy just mentioned, he calls it the poor man's big game. You can hunt turkeys, you know, turkey tags are considerably mm-hmm. less expensive than any kind of big game out west. You oh, could yeah. try to kill an elk or something, the tag by itself is five or six hundred or seven hundred bucks, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's about three states worth of turkey tags, even in, you know, consider you know, pretty expensive states, even mm-hmm. about two hundred bucks you can usually get into some turkey tags. So man, you can go turkey hunt five hundred bucks. I can go somewhere on it, I can promise you. Yeah. You know, and um that's what I'm saying. While I, while I, why I call it obtainable, like anybody usually over the course of a year, you sit back, you know, a little bit at each paycheck. By the time spring rolls around, you can have thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Man, you can go hunt two, three states on a thousand bucks, all depending on how far you want to go from home. Yeah. yeah. Um. And uh, as long as you do it, like you know, how I like to do it, you can do it and. It's the time. It's always the biggest, biggest deal. It's always the time. We've talked about that all the time when we talk about hunting out west is, you know, there's so many guys that just want to go on these different trips. They want to go hunt elk. They want to go hunt turkeys in other states. They want to do all these other things. But they're like, it's normally not, they always like, oh, it's too expensive. It's normally not the money. That's not the issue. It's the time. Absolutely. Time away from family, time away from their job, time away from whatever. And once you can kind of, I'm not going to say get over it, once you can kind of, break out of that norm and be like, Hey, I'm going to go do it. I'm going for this experience. And you kind of see it's really doable. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You can put back time yeah. for it. After yeah. Wyoming, we're like, that's easy. Yeah. Like, I mean, and not to, not to get all super, <laughs> you know, sappy, but like you've got one go at this thing. And if it's something that you really want to do, I've never been one of these, like I'll do it next year. One of these days kind of people. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, if I want to do it and it is at all obtainable, mm-hmm. then I'm going to do it. Because I don't know if tomorrow's here. I don't know if next year's here. Like, I'm not one of these, like, my thing is I always say, one of these days, I've not found a calendar with one of these days on it. Mm-hmm. That joker mm-hmm. is Monday through Sunday and always will be. So, if one of these days is just, there's not a date. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. I mean, you've yeah. got to, if you want to do something bad enough, you'll put it into motion. You'll mm-hmm. start getting those wheels turning and – I don't know, turkey hunting appeals to me so much because it is so obtainable. Like, it is so easy to do. And like you said, once you do it once, you're like, You realize. That wasn't that hard. Mm -hmm. You know, that is – and then it's just like – it's like a drug. You do it one time, you're like, ooh, I need need more of that. Ooh, (laughs) I need more of that. Next thing you know, like like I said, you're hunting a dozen states a year. You're you're wide open and you're – you know, figuring out you're changing jobs that's going to give you more time off or you're changing jobs because it doesn't make you come into lunch. You know, you're doing things mm-hmm. that – and it's just to feed that obsession because, you know, like I said, you know, you only you only get one go at this life thing. So, yep. you know. That's true, man. That's true. And if, if, if you wait around, you know, it'll leave you because my dad was like that and a lot of people in his generation mm-hmm. were like, now, one day I'm going to go – my dad always wanted to do an elk hunt, and he mm-hmm. passed away at an early age. He never got to go do never any got to do an elk hunt. So he got to go to Kentucky three times, killed two nice whitetails in mm-hmm. Kentucky, and then I got to be like 10 or so, and he quit doing that, and he was going to get back into it probably, you know, when I got up mm-hmm. in my teenage years. So you could join him, yeah. Yeah, and he didn't make it till then. Yeah. And he never got to do any of that stuff. Exactly. And I know a lot of his friends – that are still around who still haven't done any of that stuff because they've always said one of them days, Mm -hmm. one of these days hasn't showed up on that calendar yet. Yeah. You know? And I'm like the every day that you get older, you're not getting more healthy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, everybody's like, I can't wait till I retire. I'm like, retire. Like, man, when I retire, my knees might be gone. 
Like, I want to do this stuff while my body will let me climb those mountains or do 14-mile days or Mm -hmm. wade two miles into Big Cypress or do this stuff because I'm afraid once I get the time, I won't have the physical ability. Mm -hmm. And that is the most haunting thing to me, to want to do something and not be able to do it because of your physical limitations. Yeah. Like, that is that haunts me. So I'm like, I might have to work till I'm 80, but I'm going to have the experiences while my body will let me to do the things that I want to do, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That's like Jamie, Jamie and Andrew Monahan. They waited till a little bit later in life to start going out West to elk hunt, which they're not old, but they waited till, you know, later and they get out there and they do it once. They're like, why didn't we start doing this 20 years yeah, ago? 20 years ago, <laughs> this would have been, it's been even more enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, Dave, one thing I want to talk to you about is, you know, you're so passionate about turkey hunting. What sparked that? I know you say you kind of got turkey hunting when you were younger, but really what was the defining factor that got you, like, hooked to the point you are today? Yeah, I I, I guess I I really don't have a definite answer for that. I mean, I started, like I said, my dad was a fanatical deer hunter, and I was in the woods, and I learned that woodsmanship by Lord. I mean, we were rambling through the woods with pellet guns when we were little. Mm Mm-hmm poor songbirds and gray squirrels nothing had a chance (laughs) you know kids don't do that anymore i don't think but that's just what we did Mm -hmm. um and i think i learned a lot of those woodsmanship skills at that age and i was uh once i got old enough to hunt turkeys like i said it was that day-to-day strategy or like war that you played it was always everybody was like a chess match making moves um and i got to do that it changed every day Mm -hmm. like it wasn't the same game from yesterday yeah like and that was so fresh in the dialogue i mean I've always been one of those kids that when I heard something, I wanted to mimic it. You know, I could hear an owl and I could do it with my mouth in just 10 minutes. I could hear it in my ears and I could, for some reason, mimic that and, and, and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been one of those kids like, oh, Dave can make that sound. Yeah. You know, he can do the sound of that. You know, I've always been, you know, in in conversation and having them talk back and forth to you. And we'll never know what they're saying. We like to pretend like, oh, she's yelping because she's lost. But we really don't know what she's saying. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's lost, but you've got to see their body language to really relay that. But still, it's it's fun thinking that you're talking to them mm-hmm. and um, attempting to ma- uh, manipulate that. Yeah. And uh, I think that, like, I think that little bit of – being able to, to, to have your handle on something, like handle something without it knowing it. Yeah. And having something show up, expecting something so different. Like when you call that gobbler in, he's expound, expecting you to be a little eight-pound Jenny sitting there. And he walk. I mean, he doesn't have a clue. You've just fooled something that is hunted by everything, literally for its whole life. And when you convince it to throw all of that to the wind – um. I don't know. There's just something, something that's 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 special about mm-hmm. it to me. I mean, you've really just that's the pinnacle for me. Well, for any of our listeners that cannot tell, Dave is extremely passionate about this. If, yeah. if you cannot yeah. tell in his voice <laughs> by how he talks about this, and it's it, it, you're true. I mean, one thing that kind of got me fired, refired up about turkey hunting was like hunting with him, starting mm-hmm. hunting with him in like 2015 or 16 uh, on some public land and getting birds within range. Because before that, I'd never really had any experience with you know, Tom strutting in front of me, you mm-hmm. know, listening, hear, getting in different situations of how you would handle them mm-hmm. and learn very quickly. Still am learning to this day, you know, how to handle different situations. But it's like the whole fact of you're calling an animal and you're trying to fool the animal with a sound mm-hmm. to get him to come within range. What's really uh, crazy about that is is you're fooling his ears, which are his is his really his secondary defense. Mm-hmm. You know, he trusts his eyes so much. You're getting that turkey to – 
almost uh, ignore his number one defense for survival Mm -hmm. and trust his ears over his eyes, which he's lived by his whole life. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm so – I'm not anti-decoy by any stretch of imaginations, but that's why I don't use them because I like fooling a turkey – I like fooling a turkey's ears. I like fooling a turkey without using any type of visual stimulus because I don't like taking advantage of their reliance on that visual – you know, using their eyes as a defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like uh, I don't like manipulating that. I like almost making them ignore that mm-hmm. and, and convincing them and trusting something that's number two in line when it comes to, you know, safety mm-hmm. and, uh, con- uh, you know, trusting that enough to put themselves in harm's way. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And, you know, that's that was a topic that I wanted to talk about was, you know, just decoys because I know you, you, don't, you don't use them. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, growing up, and we talked to Shane about this too earlier, is, uh, you know, kind of starting out, that was our crutch. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Crutch. Oh, like, yeah. you didn't use them because it was, a, like Shane says, it's, it's a tool if you want to use them. No, that was a crutch. Like, mm-hmm. you used them, and you were hoping the turkeys saw the decoys before yep. they saw anything else. Yep. After hunting publicly and having some weird situations with other hunters and mm-hmm. <laughs> not wanting to carry them around and this and that, I decided, like, screw, screw the decoys. And it's mm-hmm. like you said, Instead of using topography, mostly using vegetation to try to yep, get vegetation. the other same same deal, something to hide them. Yeah, <laughs> hide well, get you. yeah, get them to come within a certain range so when they pop out. You know, they're mm-hmm. right there. But you know, where, where did your where did your passion now come from? Again, trying to fool their ears more so than their eyes, because mm-hmm. you know, you know, decoys are as popular as you know every yeah. mouth call out there. So, what made you want to kind of go away from the norm? Well, I might even say the norm, but let's kind of almost <clears> go more old school. With traditional, it. Yeah. yeah, it's just more of a traditional approach. Um, Oh, I've got to be. I got to be careful. I, I got you. Got a tender. You got a tenderfoot around these type of subjects because I don't want to come off as a purist, somebody that yeah. hates everybody that doesn't do it his yeah. way. Because virtually, if it's legal, yeah. have at it. Swing the bat. As long mm-hmm. as you're going, it's better than not going. But I like. Um, I don't know. It's 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 decoys take away those. In most cases, it can. Obviously, everything comes with uh, variances, mm-hmm. but. Decoys take away those most important steps, in my opinion. Um, you can convince a turkey, blah, 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 but once they get into that, you know, that hand-to-hand combat, that within 100 yards, um, the setups that are so – the decisions you make it for the, to, to make those last 75 yards a thing, mm-hmm. um, all of those decisions and strategies and tactics that you have to employ to make sure that 75 yards – is covered by him mm-hmm. um, or basically thrown out the window. I mean, decoys take care of that for you. Yeah. Um, and so you're basically just taking a lot of that game mm-hmm. um, and just throwing it out the window. Like yeah. you can you can negate it. So in my opinion, it's it you're missing something. If, if he's got to die, yeah, as you can tell, I'm passionate yeah. about it. I love him. I like I absolutely love him. And if he's got to die, if 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 he's if he has to become a lump of, you know, meat and feathers. I want him to have provided me with as much as he possibly could. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to um, gave him, given me everything that he possibly could. And I feel like when I fool him into shotgun range without using any of those visual stimuluses and stuff, without skipping any of those steps that got him there, then I've gotten that. Yeah. Um, when he – gets to 80 yards and he sees a decoy and and like I said he trusts his eyes more than anything else and he just throws everything to the wind Mm -hmm. 
I just it just feels dirty to yeah. me. It just it just it's just not right to me. I, I yeah. not 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 right. It just it's not for me. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, and it's it's fine. <laughs> I've done it. I mean, I've done I've killed turkeys at about every way you can possibly imagine. Yeah. Um, because I've came from that that uh, crowd that was younger getting into this. I haven't been doing it for forty years mm-hmm. like some of these guys. So I learned through baby steps with all the advancements in technology. I was running around with a strut and decoy that I made out of an Osceola I killed in Florida, stretched it around an old archery target, and we were killing a mess out of turkeys with this rotten cape around <laughs> a – just and, and, and it didn't take me long yeah. killing a handful of them over it. I was like, this ain't right. Yeah, Something don't feel right here. You know, a turkey comes out in a – pipeline right away 400 yards away with 15 hens and he leaves all 15 hens and comes running to your that feels dirty mm-hmm. like i don't know it just I, you know I, I didn't feel right about it and it quickly became you know this is a this is a strategy thing um the short answer yeah. to the question that you asked me <laughs> was decoys just changed the game in a way that i don't like yeah like they changed okay. the game something that i'm not comfortable doing like i'm not going to look down on somebody for doing it but to me it just feels a little bit icky yeah no and that, that that's <laughs> totally fine and one thing that we I, I stopped using decoys for the aspect of where i was hunting it didn't make sense because i'm hunting vegetation like in pines mm-hmm. and stuff if 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 you can see the bird he's within shotgun mm-hmm. range yeah like if he can see you that's the strategy yeah that's what you've got to make happen so it's like and i was again starting out you know i had those little foam decoys you get oh, from yeah, like walmart flex, yeah. oh <laughs> man and i dude i had like two of those bad boys in my vest all the time i'd lose them all the time yep. i'm like after after the fact i was like I don't even like use these half the time. Why am I even carrying them? Like it's just pointless. Yeah, but I they, hate having to crawl out there and get it when you're oh, having to yeah. like reset up on one. Oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, I hope you can't well, see this decoy. Uh, well, it's like it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like I started using this tactic, talking about using vegetation terrain for deer hunting. Mm-hmm. That if that deer pops out, he's within bow range. Mm-hmm. Okay, do the same thing for turkeys, and it can play out for you. But again, I was just thinking, like you know, guys that are hunting, you know, like what's when you're hunting, I give example, like if you're hunting out in Kansas, you're hunting big ag, or you're just hunting open areas. How much? How does your does your calling sequence change or anything? How how do you call in a situation where it's wide open, and that bird has to come and commit from a very long distance if you're not using decoys? Like how do you play that? You're I, I still use terrain. Like yeah. even in even in the most wide open, flattest terrain, mm-hmm. there's ditches and there's slight elevations. You only need like a foot of elevation to hide yourself as long as you get down on your belly and can, and can get dirty. You see this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I but mean, like we, a foot uh, and a half, two feet, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, but yeah, we I still use terrain. Um, a lot of it can be um, you learn where the roost, yeah. and you uh, and you use cover of darkness because mm-hmm. no matter how flat it is, it still gets dark. Yep. You know, um, and I use cover of darkness and close the distance. I put myself in the right spot. You mm-hmm. know, I use grass. People will be amazed at what little like, turkeys l- trust their eyes, but as long as you move strategically you can get away you know mm-hmm. big chubs my my buddy that's in the Pinhody project with yeah. me quite a few that dude's like six four like he ain't no little boy and <laughs> you wouldn't believe some of the sneaks that i've watched him put on turkeys mm-hmm. i mean you can use the ver- the smallest bit of terrain mm-hmm. to get yourself within shotgun range um then I've heard that, you know, you don't hunt turkeys in wide open places. You don't obviously hunt a bunch of big fields. You'd be yeah. a decoy user. Man, I've, I've got videos <laughs> to <laughs> prove, you know, you can call a turkey across wide open field yelping at them, mm-hmm. you know. You just uh, put yourself in the right position 
and don't give them too much. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is get them interested and shut up. If yeah. you keep yelping at them and they're looking across the wide open field, of course. But if you get their attention and then you shut up and keep them thinking, mm-hmm. they're like, the curiosity will kill them. Um, now, does that change? I, I've got to interrupt you right there. Does that change between the subspecies? Like when, when it comes to like calling? Because I've, I've heard, again, I've not heard, hunted Rios, Merriams, or Osceolas, but I've heard, um, you know, Rios and Merriams are a little more active bird. And I don't, I've just heard that, you know, calling you got to be even more aggressive just more uh, consistent everything does you know alter back to those necessities yeah. that they need mm-hmm. turkeys do everything for a reason they're mm-hmm. just not out there wandering around yeah they're they're on a, they're on a path to do something they're accomplishing something with every step that they take the reason people think that about miriams and rios is because their necessities are usually over a wider amount of terrain you know easterns can literally live within 70 80 acres and have everything they need Rios a lot of times will have to go a mile to find water, you know, and it's like arid or something, you know, they have to travel a long, huge distances mm-hmm. to get all of those resources that they need. So people um, think that about turkeys or Rios or the Western birds because they do move so much. I mean, they've you've really got to call to locate them because, I mean, you hit them one time, by the time you get set up, they'll be 300 yards further because they they never their legs never stop moving they don't do much standing still they strut wide you know full sprint they'll be strutting wide you know they 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 act a little different for sure <laughs> but um but yeah i mean that's that's and miriam's rios they get that reputation of anybody can kill one you can mm-hmm. go out there they gobble so much they do gobble a lot you know because a lot of times they're trying to call up hens from a a lot larger area you mm-hmm. know they're calling in hens because everything's spread out you know mm-hmm. think think of your easterns here and, and on the east side and, and just take that and just bust them up like to cover the same amount of turkeys covering 10 times the area that's kind of like what they're dealing with mm-hmm. so they're gobbling a lot more because they're having to work a lot harder to get those hens because those hens are a lot further away mm-hmm. um and they do gobble a lot more just by subspecies too i believe mm-hmm. but that doesn't make them easy by any stretch. I've had Miriams whip me just as bad as any eastern bird has. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's comical when I hear people say, oh, those Miriams, you can call them up by slapping two boat pals together. They hadn't hunted <laughs> Miriams enough. You know, they've been out there once or twice, and they went with, you know, 7J Outfitters or, yeah. or Trophy Ridge Outfitters somewhere out in Wyoming or, or uh, you know, the Dakotas or Montana or something, and they brought them in there to a place that they've, know the birds are they've pre-scouted them they've watched them they know they go to this alfalfa field every day and Mm -hmm. sure if you're if they're at point a and they're going to point b and they set you up in point b you're gonna think you're the world's greatest caller because you're going to yelp and they're going to run to you well they were going that way anyway yeah you know and this 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 dude that set you down there knew that Mm -hmm. um but they're like anything else i mean miriam turkeys can be a curse man they can be because there's the different biggest difference between miriam turkeys and eastern turkeys Mm -hmm. Eastern turkeys gobble at you probably because he's interested in what you just said. A Miriam turkey will gobble at you and not have any interest whatsoever. He can gobble <laughs> at you and be going the other way at 100 miles an hour, and he'll gobble at you just the same. Mm-hmm. So just because you get a Miriam turkey to gobble, you get all excited and get set up, and he gobbles and he's 200 yards. He gobbles and he's 400 yards. He gobbles and he's 600 yards, and you're just sitting there scratching your head like, Eastern turkeys won't do that. They just won't gobble at you. So you can go on to the next one. And not ever had to fool with him because he wasn't interested in those Miriams. They'll gobble at you. 
And then the next thing you know, you'll be trying to chase him. And the last thing you want to do is try to chase a Miriam turkey. They will outrun you ten times out of ten. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Then just real quick, what, what's your calling tactics or your hunting tactics for Miriams? If 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 they're calling, strike a bunch, just, and just hope you get one. Strike lucky? a bunch. You okay. get about one out of every ten. Yeah. You'll find him in a good mood, and you can call him in and kill him. But you know, that's a good tactic to you know, remember. You know, those birds they do gobble. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. keep moving coyote howling elk bugling like you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier cutting on a long box whatever keep keep moving keep striking them like i said once i one out ever seven one that's out ever ten you'll strike one and he's in he's in the mood you know to to act right and you can <laughs> yeah. roost those turkeys easy they gobble a lot because they're you know they're looking for hens and, and gobbling a lot and, and um like i said they're gobbling a lot they're trying to cover all that terrain and um coyote howling late at night and putting a pin on birds and then shrinking that gap Mm -hmm. you know before daylight using the cover of darkness and instead of trying to get up to him from a mile away you know you can be 150 from him off the roost and and uh you know that he's the pin in the center of that circle the smaller you make that circle the you know the the harder it's going to be for him to get out of shotgun range so also i mean when you're hunting out there i guess you can have situations where you're probably dealing with some pretty big flocks in some situations if you go early season you better believe it you know and uh uh, there's another (laughs) Uh, a friend of mine who's uh, who went out there and hunted, and he I remember him calling me. He's like, "Man, did you not? Have, I mean, we couldn't get on them much because they had hens." I was like, "Man, we've we ain't killed a turkey yet that didn't have hens. You got to figure out how to kill them with hens. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it it ain't always to sit down behind with your back against a tree and and yelp them up and kill them, shoot them in the face, running in there looking at you. <laughs> you know, they gobble a lot for reasons, you know, number of reasons, but." That goblin can be just a beacon. Like, okay, he's here now. He's here now. Okay, well, if he went from here to here, yeah. I bet if I get here, mm-hmm. he's going to keep his line of travel. Yep. You know, and you do that three or four times and you luck up and get in his way, essentially. So, mm-hmm. a lot of that Miriam hunting, in my experience, is not your stereotypical sit down, yelp them up stuff. Well, but at the end of the day, it still makes a pretty picture. Oh, yeah, no, it's beautiful country. It's yeah. beautiful country out there. Um, well, I know we're getting probably close to time, probably right around an hour right now. Yeah, um, hit it right on the head. <laughs> well, I was going to say, let's uh, touch a little bit on what's going on this weekend. Uh, okay. You know. I'll, I'll, well, before we do that, before we start closing stuff out, I still want to ask you some stuff about some of your videos and some okay. hunts that I've watched. Um, first of all, this goes back a little bit to uh, getting people to like travel to hunt turkeys mm-hmm. on public land specifically because you have like the roadblock of cost and everything. They're like, oh, it's too expensive. I don't have time. And then the next roadblock after that is, oh, it's public land. Like, uh, pressure's going to be terrible. And th- my favorite one of yours that I've seen so far is, I don't remember where y'all were. might have been Georgia or Alabama. But y'all mm-hmm. set up on this turkey, and you were filming him on the roost. Mm-hmm. And he was gobbling, and then a guy drives up. Oh, that was Georgia, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he, like, hits a horrible-sounding crow oh, call. Man. There's, you know, calling, in my opinion, and, you know, how much I'm involved in the competition calling and competitive mm-hmm. calling and stuff. Um, but I'm I'm a turkey hunter at heart, and that's all I care to be known as is a turkey hunter. Mm-hmm. And I still say calling is, you know, 10% or less than the whole turkey hunting game. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying that, people like that guy – they still need to practice. Call <laughs> I know, need that, to show it to you, Jay. I haven't seen it yet. I was going to say, now, what, what's your main locator call that you like to use, especially in, like, the southeast, but also maybe if you travel out west? I'll hoot a little bit, you know, in the mornings, but typically after that I've got a turkey call. I'm, I'm okay. striking them with a turkey call. Out west, I'm using a lot of coyote house, you mm-hmm. know, anything loud, you know. 
um they, they'll gobble at it you know and, hmm. and you can move in on them so yeah as far as locator calls i don't have anything in concrete but if i'm walking for turkeys it's usually calling okay. you know, i'm calling so so what um, was that guy doing was he was he he's just a numbskull <laughs> <laughs> that turkey but, yeah see up. we were in trouble from the get-go we got out of the truck mm-hmm. and was going to a spot it was about a 20 25 minute walk and this turkey gobbles 15 or 20 minutes before he was supposed to gobble and he was literally right on the road and I was like, I know we're asking for heartbreak here, setting up this close to the road, but it was a little less used road, um, and he was gobbling so just, just <laughs> yeah, gobbling in the dark, and I'm like, man, I can get close to him. <laughs> so that's what we did. We just got super aggressive. Yeah. Um, How close did you get? Seventy yards. Oh maybe. yeah. I mean, I crawled in close. <laughs> and um, it got broke daylight, and you could see him up there, silhouette on the pine limb, just walking oh, yeah. back and forth, just gobbling and gobbling. God, that's awesome. And, um, yeah, about about fly. I think I'd clucked at that turkey one time. Mm-hmm. I was so close, and I just needed to turn him on that limb. So I just one time, and he had thrown that head up, and I knew he heard me. Mm-hmm. I thought, I've influenced you. That's all you need to hear, you know. <laughs> and about here it comes. I hear that gravel popping. I'm like, oh shoot me now you know <laughs> i knew what was fixing to happen then he drove past us i thought okay by the time i heard his truck cut off and then that turkey it was early season you could see him mm-hmm. um and i mean he could see a long way through the woods and that turkey saw that guy walk up like yeah. no doubt about it dude walked down a white rock road <laughs> and there's no doubt about that turkey you see his head come up and his color changed in his head oh yeah it went that dull red color mm-hmm. and um i knew that that turkey had seen that guy so i just went quiet he went quiet and um you know then the guy did his little rendition of whatever (laughs) you know what not to do and then he got back in his truck (laughs) drove back past the turkey and 20 minutes later the turkey was ready to fly down and he yeah he did exactly what he was going to do like two hours before Mm -hmm. you know it just put everything on pause when that guy come by and but, yeah, it was just uh, – we had the luxury of being able to sit there and watch the turkey. So, we yeah, had, were confident that, you know, cool. he hadn't gone anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it was cool seeing that footage because you could really read that turkey's body Oh, language. yeah, yeah. So, I got to watch that because I, I, I'm so, like, hunger – it was, like, so eager to learn and get so much information about that, like, especially body language of birds. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing yeah. for me because, like, deer, I got that. Yeah. Turkeys, I, I need to look at that. Well, I mean, uh, we talk about head color, you know. Yeah, there, his hit, hit, he was just brilliant. Red, white, and blue. He was strutting. I mean, everything was just. He just, was ready to rock. He was ready to rock, and then suddenly that happened, and that color just faded, and it just turned to a dull red. Mm-hmm. He folded those wings, and he had that long neck up, and he does that where he backs his head up, you know, mm-hmm. looking back. You knew he'd. I, I knew exactly what he saw. Yeah. You know, obviously I couldn't move. I was pinned, but um, but yeah, it's just that you could tell that he'd got nervous. But I knew we were in a good spot. Like he was eventually going to have to come out of that tree. I thought our our crutch was going to be because the guy approached from behind us, so he was going to push the turkey the other way. Um, but luckily, he got comfortable enough after he left that that he mm-hmm. flew down where he well, I, what I think was going to fly down initially before that whole rigmarole happened. So yeah, and he was on the ground a total of what three seconds at the most before yeah. he shot. Yeah. How close? How close did he get when he flew down? Twenty five yards, maybe. dude. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I'm so jacked up for this season, man. Yeah. I'm excited. That's but, like yeah. uh, like when you talk about calling to him on the limb like mm-hmm. that. Uh, the last one I shot last year, 
and I had heard him gobble on the roost like way up this valley. I was on a different turkey, but I heard him gobble, and I kind of kept it in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. And I went in there like maybe a week later, and I got right to where about where I thought he was, and I sat there and like it started getting to be daylight, and I took out my pot call and I like clucked and purred or something, or I clucked twice. I just went. Burp, burp. And he, like, hammered it, like, 50 yards away. And oh, I was yeah. like, put that down. Yep. <laughs> that's all that'll need. That'll need needed, yeah. 20 minutes later, it came It's in. always – that's so that's an experience <clears throat> thing. You'll learn through experience on what you need to say. A lot of people are like, don't call the turkeys on the tree limb. I like talking tur- I like calling turkeys when they're still on the limb. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've got a, uh, the ability to influence which way they're going. Mm-hmm. But you've got to read that. Yeah. If you're not in the perfect spot, you don't need to call to him on the limb. Yeah. Like, if you don't have that perfect setup, you don't need to call to him on the limb because you don't want him coming to you and – handcuffing you yeah. you know um there's been situations where i've had to let him fly down because i had to use a terrain feature once he was on the ground them jokers can see a long way when they're 30 foot 60 foot up in a pine tree whatever they oh, are yeah. you know um so when you let them get on the ground can use that roll in the terrain to get that perfect setup and then call to him um mm-hmm. you know that that can be deadly you know yeah. but uh but everybody's got this set in their head that they've got to get to that turkey and call to him when he's on the limb mm-hmm. like He's no less a turkey, and he's not going to die any less if you wait till he's on the ground and you can get into that perfect spot. Because here again, it's all about location. It's all mm-hmm. about getting getting the right spot before you engage him. Really, yeah. yeah. That turkey, I, he gobbled, and I put the call down, and like ten minutes later, later he gobbled again by himself. I was like, yeah, you're 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 going to get it. And he, uh, and then I heard him pitch down, and we sat there, and I mean, it felt like an hour before he got in but it's probably like 10 minutes yeah. or something and he came in strutting and i killed yeah. him uh one thing that i noticed about your videos that i found interesting which mainly i've watched a lot of the florida ones in alabama and georgia yeah. i'm like working my way through it and i was surprised at how much you call in certain Indeed situations call. yeah yep. like situation. you call a lot in yep. certain situations yep. I'm like dang really yeah. we do a lot yeah we we do whatever it takes, really. Whatever we feel is necessary. And a lot of that early season stuff, you'll see a lot of calling because we're competing with hens. Mm-hmm. Um, you're trying to, you know, you almost can forget there's a gobbler there. I mean, you've got to provoke that hen. You've got to um, trip her trigger. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're um, climbing on top of everything she says. You're trying to, like, you know, throw hot water, you know, you know, or gas on the fire, I guess this is the best way of putting it. Because a lot of times they're pretty docile early season. They're roosted right with each other. And don't have any reason to get fired up but if you get in there and you're an intruder and you approach their little circle there um and uh you hear us talk a lot about uh calling uh, almost as a reflex like when you hear them cut and you cut right back at them like you're almost talking over the top of them yeah um and that can you know if you can get that hen to come in that boss hen the whole flock's coming and then he's he's with them so mm-hmm. uh we're doing a lot of that and when you're doing that, you're like what happened in the, on one of those Alabama hunts is uh, you get that satellite gobbler that's been pushed away from the flock for whatever reason. You know, he decides to pay you a visit because you're a flock that he don't have to fight for, you know. Yeah. Um, so you get uh, advantage of that. But, yeah, we do a lot of calling um, when, in those type of situations. But in, in, in others, like you said, I think I clucked to that turkey a total of three times and killed him. So, yeah. It's all an experience thing. It's all reading what you need to do. Um, I don't. There's no book 
to tell you what to do. There's no – you're not going to find a podcast that tells you mm-hmm. when to do which one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all an experience thing, and, and the only way that you're going to learn it is to get out there and, and get your feet wet. Get out there and right. screw it up hundreds yep. of times. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, I've got my concluder, but I'm going to save it. Let's uh, touch on NWTF, and then we'll wrap it up with concluders. Okay. Yeah, I think I've hit everything. <laughs> uh, so we got you your, your call this weekend. Yep. Uh, so this is recorded on Friday. What was the date? 15th. 15th. Uh, so before the Grand Nationals and everything else going on, um, kind of break this down. You know, last year you won it, mm-hmm. which was freaking fantastic. Yep. That was the coolest <laughs> thing to actually see it. Again, I didn't know you previously until yeah. that. Um, but to kind of see someone win that and kind of the whole process of how it works yeah. and going to the competition and listening, closing your eyes and listening to the callers and, and being blown away by – just the sounds that you guys produce. I mean, mm-hmm. I was—I told you that earlier, that it was really inspiring to myself. I'm like, now I know I'm horrible at calling. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I knew I was bad. I knew I was really bad before. Now I'm like, dude, just garbage. Like, just <laughs> trash. But it's just fantastic to kind of see guys like yourself be able to do that and take try to take it to the next level. Yeah. You know, with calling because there's guys that they just want to call. You know, they're like, well, you know, I kill my judge. You know, talking about yeah, the turkeys, yeah. which is cool. That's that's cool. But to see someone take it to the next level and try to get into competition mm-hmm. is crazy, man. Yeah. And, uh, dude, I hope, I hope hope the best for you tomorrow. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be there rooting we'll, for you. We'll, we'll have our fingers crossed. But all we can do is what we can do. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we, uh, we'll be in there giving it, giving it our best shot. You know, hopefully we get a good clean run. That's all you can ask for. Yep. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm one of those guys that, that, that I, I turkey call because uh, – Gives me something to do before turkey season, and it makes me practice. I, I'm not very disciplined at the whole practicing thing and, and running calls as much as I should. Um, so this does at least get me to put those calls in my mouth before season gets here. Um, and uh, and yeah, man, it was it was a fun experience for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was uh, it was something uh, something I'll remember for sure because it's a uh, it's a big deal. I mean, it's it's oh, a really big deal. I mean, these guys. There's a lot of these guys like that's all they want to do. Like that is the pentacle. That's what they want to do. Yep. Um, and it was fun. It really, really was to be etched in forever with some of the names that are up there. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, some of the you know the biggest names in in turkey calling and turkey hunting probably even. Um, but um, yeah, it's 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 pretty uh, humbling to know that your name's etched into that forever column with those guys. So. Awesome. Yeah, man. I'm excited. I can't wait to be sitting there watching you all up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah dude, it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm jacked up for it. Um, other than that, we can wrap it up because I, I have one concluding thought, which my concluding thought is pressured public land birds, mm-hmm. especially you're getting two weeks into the season mm-hmm. and you've got a lot of hunters competition. They've been hammered. <laughs> what is your go-to? Like, what, what are some ways you can get a bird to react to you and be able to bring a bird in that's been called to by – who knows how many guys has had a lot of things thrown at him mm-hmm. that first two weeks of season? Uh, pressured bird. Well, you first off, the the biggest thing is try to hunt them when nobody else is. Mm-hmm. Hunt them during the week. Hunt them when it's raining. Mm-hmm. Hunt them when it's cold. Hunt them when the conditions aren't there. Um, turkeys are turkeys, whether it's on private land or public land. Um, there's still going to be turkeys. They're going to react the same. They're going to, uh, uh, you know, they call the same. They're they're there for the same reason. They need the same things. Um, pressure turkeys. The biggest thing is killing them before somebody else messes you up. Um, so the biggest thing is, um, like I said, hunt them when nobody else is hunting them. Approach them from ways that other people aren't. Don't use those roadways that everybody it makes easy walking. Don't mm-hmm. use, um, you know, uh, look for the corners of small small pieces of public that may be overlooked by somebody, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, most people. Um, uh, like I said, approach them from a, from 
you know, a creek bottom rather than the road that's on the ridge next to them, you know, approach them from a little bit differently. Um, uh, read the sign, get in their hip pocket before they ever knew that you're there. I mean, learn them. Um, know that they're here because they're eating a certain, you know, uh, the pin oaks are, are heavy right here. That's why they're here. Mm -hmm. So beat them there. Um, you can do all of that uh, that puts, you know, more of those, you know, chips in your pile uh, so that you can cash in, you know, um, that other public hunters may not. They just may be going in there like everybody else, dragging their feet down the road, hollering with crow calls, hitting box calls, you know, doing that same – present yourself differently. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I do think that being an advanced caller can put uh, more realism – into that approach that other people can't, um, you know, uh, there's been, a, you know, just a handful in the whole amount of time I've been doing this that I feel like calling was really a determining factor, but it was usually on that super public, I mean, a super pressured public land yeah. um, because I did something that they weren't used to hearing, um, you know, and, or, I, you know, and I approached them in a, in a different way. Um, but yeah, I guess that's my stab at that question. The, the, well, I, mean, I appreciate it. Cause again, that's kind of the one thing that's kind of to me other than just la overall lack of experience and then calling skills but like hunting pressure birds like early season we can get on birds and if i could just like maybe stop moving and shoot straight kill some birds yeah <laughs> like early in the season but it's like later on in the season you know you get so many guys that's been out there they've been hunting um a lot of those dumb ones are dead oh a lot of <laughs> most of the dumb ones and that's why on some of these tracks uh, which we can talk about afterwards has a i think they have a very uh well I'm going to call it age class of turkeys. And there's probably a lot of old birds on this one track yeah. that we hunt. And it's like, they know. I mean, they know two, three weeks in, dude, like, slips they up. They condition. What they do, they get conditioned. Yeah. They get conditioned to that, that like, if something happened one time, mm -hmm. they would never act the same. But when something happens repetitively mm -hmm. in the same, and it's danger, you yeah. know, they, they equate that, they equate that owl hooter or whatever to danger. Like, yeah. if they have repeated bad experiences with that either a sound or a call or a note, whatever mm -hmm. that's what they condition themselves to and it's just a survival if you walked through a door and you got slapped in the back of the head every time it wouldn't take you but two or three times and you're going to be ducking when you go through the door yeah. same way with them they just condition themselves um and uh and, you know that's what you know i was saying like if, if you present yourself differently yeah something they haven't been conditioned to that's what you can find success that's one thing i'm going to try to do this year a little bit more is come up with creative access to creative spots Creative access absolutely once you find out where they're at stop coming off those roads because mm -hmm. we notice guys walking down these gravel roads and they're popping gravel while they're walking because mm -hmm. i mean you cannot walk on a gravel road quiet you just nope. can't nope and those dirt when we, we've we've hunted one year or you had a situation didn't yeah, there was a turkey on top of this ridge and these planted pines. It was like, I mean, burning it up, like once a minute, once, twice a minute goblin standing up there. And I couldn't get close to him because he's like 150 yards, like wide open pines. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm just going to wait till he shuts up and try and figure him out later. Yeah. But he's up there just burning it up. And this guy comes crunching down the road walking. And he gets with an earshot, and the turkey just shuts yep. up immediately. And mm -hmm. you hear him crunch, 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 off into the distance. And he gets out of earshot, and the turkey starts right back right. up. Yep. Like he's happened. conditioned himself to that noise as being mm -hmm. danger. Like he's had repeated bad experiences with that noise. Mm -hmm. He just yeah. knows every time he hears that noise, 
somebody comes bumps him off the top of that ridge or yeah. shoots at him or something, you know, yeah. something happens bad. Jacob shoots at him. That's yeah. the same ridge where he missed one. <laughs> I called three, I've called three long beards Pouring in for salt him. in the wound. And he peppered one of them in the butt. <laughs> yeah. Those two, I, I'm, I'm going to use this story. So they were like 10 degrees off from Everyone. where he hold it, yeah. had his gun up and I saw him go and I was like, oh God. Shooted a bobbin head. So they got a way of staying behind those pine trees. Yeah, that was that was a bad morning. I kind of forget that morning. Had one freaking ugliest, ugliest circuit I've ever seen come up the hill towards. We're in these wide open pines, but gets real thick down the bottoms, and they're on the other side of this bowl. One of these birds comes up, and I see it, and it's like thirty yards. I mean, it's like safety off shoot. Yeah. Instead of taking the safety off shoot, Andrew's like five yards to my left. I'm like turkey. I didn't say like that, but I was like did this, and the bird looks at me, and it. And went back down the bottom. Yeah. Like, you son of a gun. And he's like, why'd you not shoot? I'm like, this is like year one for Jeff. Yeah, this is like he's year one. New. This is a couple yeah. years. Yeah. He's green. So I'm like, oh, whatever. So I'm sitting there. <laughs> and we can see down these long pines. I mean, it's all slut cut pines, yeah. planted pines. And you can see 80 yards down yeah. there. Also, I see three three toms out there, and they're strutting. And I'm like, mm. oh, oh, hey. And like, yeah. I try looking. Andrew can't really see that well. And then finally, they kind of start bobbing, weaving back towards us. And uh, I thought they were with, I thought they were, with, you know, within range. I didn't have a range finder. So, like you said, had the gun like right here. I'm right-handed. They're on my right side. So, I had to like legit pivot all the way around oh, and try yeah. to shoot. I did that. And one was like, what? And they like, looked yep. at me and they dropped strut. Yep. And it started like popping like now this. And never. I'm like, boom. I know. I, I heard it a putt and I went, shoot. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Game's over when that happens. It was Game, too, it was, it was too far. Over. It was way too far. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Now, the last thing I wanted to ask about was uh, how, how, do you, how often, if ever, do you use like gobbler yelps or jake yelps or gobbles early season it can be pretty effective because they're still flocked up and those jakes can i think they provoke jealousy i'm not real sure what it does but i, I you hear a lot of jake yelps and a lot of times what you don't realize is when that jake yelp he's yelping it at a gobbler strutting if you get in close to him you'll hear those gobblers like drum and every time he drums it provokes that jake to and he's so when you yelp to the jakes it provokes their interest, and the jakes will come. Well, the gobblers are like, he's not making it to a hen without me being, you know, with, mm. you know, he's not beating me to that hen. So you uh, kind of provoke them to all kind of, you know, join you. And I had a, I had a super uh, awesome um, experience like that. We were down in this deep canyon in um, Arizona. Me and Squirrel, y'all saw yeah. him on the Pinote mm -hmm. Project. Um, he and I went down in this bottom maneuvered our way into a whole flock of turkeys and started calling to them. They come up out of this little bottom, little swell, I guess it was. And um, gobbler came up, lone gobbler. I'm like, game on. You know, this is <laughs> cashed, cashed in. By that time, he just stops. And we're like, man, what's going on? By the time the whole flock comes up, he was just leading the flock. And there was a big strutter yeah. in the back with a couple hens and a flipping gaggle of jakes, like probably eight or so of them. And um, we sat there, and they just had hit their mark at about 70 yards or so. And um, they were out there just middling, doing their thing, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. And uh, we couldn't get them to, you know, couldn't get them to, to break. But those jakes were, you know, how jakes do. They'll chase each other around and whatever. But they were caulking, you know, caulk, caulk, caulk. At every time that gobbler would strut and drum, he'd caulk, caulk, caulk. So I let them do it one time. Then I responded to them with a jake yelp. Like they caulked, and I'd caulk right back at them. Well, you saw them raise that head up. <laughs> you know, they're like. Hey, you know, <laughs> well, here they came, and there was an ant bed. Those turkeys out there eat a lot of fire ants, and there was a big ant bed right like 15 yards. And we had all eight of those jakes on that ant bed. They came running over and they started scratching at that ant bed, and we're laying down on the guns like this. And once the jakes broke and they came in there, the whole flock just slowly 
came in there and we were able to kill the gobblers out of that flock. So it was one of those situations to where being able to read those turkeys and like obviously the Jake's the youngest youngest turkeys of the bunch. Mm -hmm. So they're the easiest to influence. So like you use that chink in that gobbler's armor to where let's provoke that flock by causing them to break by using the dumbest birds, you know. That's smart because so many guys talk about like trying to get that hen to come in. And mm-hmm. sometimes maybe it's easier to just go after the, the jakes, jakes. Yep. and just yeah. have everyone's curiosity. Follow. And the gobbler also, you know, the gobblers and hens aren't always going to follow the jakes. Mm-hmm. But in this situation, they were all just kind of moving as a unit. And uh, when we when we caulked at those jakes, and I've done that a number of times, you know, and you you can see that when you're calling to a gobbler, he'll gobble to a hen yelp and whatever. But you caulk at him, and it's like, man, it sets him off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear uh, us do that, you know, quite a bit in the early season. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, I'll do it in response to him gobbling. Um, he'll gobble and I caught, 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 caught right after it. Like, oh, that's you just, It's just another realistic thing. Like, he thinks not only is there a hen over there now, mm-hmm. there's a Jake that, hey, I don't like that, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, you know, it's just another little added realism there. Yeah. Now, a gobbler, does a gobbler caulk like a Jake does? They're in, they don't caulk like that. They got a little bit more. I mean, they can do anything probably. Yeah. But uh, usually, if you hear gobbler yelps, it's a little bit more polished. Uh, from what, in my experience, uh, mm-hmm. you don't hear them doing that ragged sound like a uh, like a Jake does that almost um, and an, a reflex sound where they'll they'll hear something and it's almost like it. Yeah. You know, you don't hear they that as much. Gobbler yelps are almost like more planned to me if mm-hmm. I had to describe it which i'm probably doing a terrible job of doing but <laughs> it's hard it's, to explain yeah it's more they're, they're, it's like more scheduled like they're yeah. they have it planned they know what they're saying before they mm-hmm. they say it because when i mentioned that one with shane that opening day turkey last year uh he was gobbling and i started jake yelping at him and he started yelping back at me like, oh really after yeah. a while he gobbled five or six times and i was hen yelping to him but he what he was just you know strutting yeah. back and forth so i started doing that and he starts coming closer, and he starts doing it back at me. Oh, I mean, and I was cool. like arguing with him like you would yeah, a hen, just yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he'd do it right back. And I, that's I mean, he got cool. to sixty yards, and then a hen came in and got him. Mm. But yeah, well, Dave, we've taken a lot of your time, and I want to, <laughs> I want to say thank you for coming oh, on yeah, with man. us. You got it. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Where, uh, where can people find your stuff? Uh, Pinhoti Projects on YouTube. That's our, that's our mainstream there. Uh, we're fixing to get going on the uh, Mossy Oak Go app, if I'm not mistaken. We've uh, awesome. done all the, they've uh we're going to be on there as well so you probably find us on there soon as long as there's no hiccups in that process nope. i don't really know what's all required <laughs> but i've signed the papers so anyways i think it's fixing <laughs> to happen but uh but yeah youtube and then of course i've got a website and uh and we're on instagram and facebook as you know so yep. you anybody can, can hop on there and um just the only caveat is it's fixing to be turkey season and i'm a turkey hunter mm-hmm. so all of these messages that I've, I've gotten or a little request or whatever, I've tried to accommodate because it's off season, but it's fixing to be turkey season. I'm fixing to be extremely busy. So if it takes me a while to get back to you, yeah. not because I don't love you, because I do, <laughs> but it's just that I'm going to be really busy and we're going to be pumping out a lot of content this year and big plans and hopefully a, a you know, thriving future with the Pinhoti project. So I hear that, man. Y'all got some sweet hats too. So everyone go buy a hat. Yeah. We yeah, got hats at church. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I can find those on the website. So, yeah. well, Dave, appreciate it, man. Good luck calling. All right. Thanks, man.
Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool. I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right. Giving you a heads up here. So go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the the like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple of years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.